Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Japanese traditions. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Prince Hori stood in the royal palace courtyard, plucking the string of a magic bow that his father, King Ninigi, had just gifted to him. He smiled at his good fortune, then looked up as the doors swung open. Hori's older brother, Hoderi, stepped out, a serious expression on his face. Hoderi! Thank goodness you're finally out of there. You've got to come hunting with me so I can try out my new gift. I see father gave you the golden bow. Yes, and he made me master huntsman. From now on, I'll hunt the woods once a week for our banquet meals. What did father call you in for? He made me head fisherman. Excellent! And I bet he gave you an amazing weapon to match the job. What is it? An unsinkable boat? A magic spear? You have to let me borrow it. No, I just got this. Hoderi held up a metal hook encrusted with jewels that glowed a soft blue. Oh, is that one of Mother's earrings? It's a fish hook that strikes with deadly accuracy, so I can catch enough fish for all our villagers on daily trips to the ocean. Oh, the servants say that's where the Sea King lives with his evil serpent, the Wani. Maybe you can slay it. The servants fill your head with tall tales, silly, and I'm not going anywhere near the Sea King's domain. I'll just bob by the shore, hauling in carp and mackerel. Ugh, I'm going to smell so bad. I'm sorry you got a raw deal. That's not all. Father gave me another gift. I'm going to be king someday. His divine line of rulership will run through me and my heirs. King? Why, that's amazing news! You'll make an excellent king, Hoderi. What's wrong? Aren't you excited? Of course I am, little brother. I just have a lot to think about. Have fun hunting. Hoderi patted Hori on the shoulder, then headed off toward their quarters, still staring at the fish hook in his hands. Hori watched him go and felt unsettled. He'd never seen his brother look so serious before. But the thought quickly passed as Hori's attention returned to the golden bow in his hands. He pulled the string taut, delighting in its perfect balance and tension. He couldn't wait to try it out. So he'd go hunting alone today, and then tomorrow he'd find a way to lift Hoderi's spirits. They were brothers after all, and nothing, not even their father's throne, was going to ruin their fun. Hori would make sure of it. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. 
Join me for another tale from the Japanese Kojiki. Today, we'll meet Hori and Hoderi, princes whose hunting skills make them a target for an undersea menace. Coming up, two princes yearn to change their fates. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. When we last delved into the chronicler Ono Yasumaro's ancient Shinto text called the Kojiki, we saw the sun set on the age of the gods and rise on the age of men. Prince Nimigi descended from the heavens to rule the earth and found himself a bride. But his beloved Sakuya was mortal, and Nimigi sacrificed his immortality to marry her. He and his descendants were destined and doomed to die someday. Ninigi lost most of his magic, but the world his sons grew up in teemed with fantastical beasts. Beasts that might hunt them down and tear them apart like prey, no matter how fast or cunning they were. High in the mountains, a snow-white deer raced through the trees, desperate to avoid a magic golden arrow. It evaded it for a few minutes until the deer found itself on the wooded edge of a cliff over the ocean. There was nowhere for it to go, and the arrow was getting closer. The deer scrambled behind a black pine tree. While the arrow lodged itself in the tree trunk. Prince Hori ran up to his arrow and pulled it out of the bark. Then he smiled. I haven't missed in years. Well done, dear. I should spare you for your cleverness. The deer took curious steps out from behind the tree to stare at Hori. King Ninigi's younger son was known to be a strange hunter. He was even merciful at times, like the fun of the chase mattered more than the thrill of the kill. (sighs) But alas, my father the king is departing for his vacation today, and he wants a special deer for his feast away from home. (sighs) Sadly, you're very special. With a shrug and a smile, Hori loaded his magic arrow into his bow. The deer tried to scramble off, but Hori pursued it to the cliff's edge. 
Thank you for the fun, my friend. I promise this will be quick. Hori let his magic arrow fly. The dead deer tumbled back off the cliff and down into the sea. The chase continues! With a smile, Hori took a running jump and sailed off the cliff, too. Out on the water, Hori's brother Hoderi was having a far less exhilarating day. Wrapped in bearskins, the stout man shivered and cursed as his boat rocked. He'd hardly caught a thing all day, but he wasn't about to return empty-handed. Their seaside kingdom relied on his fishing to keep the villagers fed, and the last thing Hoderi wanted was to refuse them or his father. So he cast his line and flung his magic fish hook into the water. Worry turned to fear when he spied a dark shadow beneath the water. Something big was down there. Hoderi knew that he should be excited for such a large potential catch, but something about the shadow worried him. Before he could pull it out, his magic hook shot toward the shadow. The line went taut. Hoderi pulled. There was a great splash as something flew from the water and landed on the boat. It was a dead deer. Hoderi was just processing this shocking sight when Hori surfaced too. He yelped again while Hori laughed and did the backstroke around his boat. Hori, what's wrong with you? (laughs) I don't know, but I'm sure you'll tell me. Did I give you a scare? I thought you were the Wani. The Wani? <laughs> oh, Derry, you always said the beast was a tall tale. I may have spoken too soon. Hoderi looked out at the wall of strange, thick mist on the horizon. I've sailed out closer to the mist lately, searching in vain for fish, and I see this shadow in the water, with glowing eyes circling the boat. I fear the creature wants to drag me down and feed me to the Sea King. Or maybe my brain's just waterlogged from all the fishing. Hori hoisted himself into the boat and patted his brother's back. (laughs) Well, at least you've caught... Uh... Two fish. Good job! It may be a puny catch, but it's two more than I caught yesterday. Or last week. That's odd. You hauled in entire feasts when you started two years ago. Maybe something's warning the fish away. Or maybe I've lost my edge. Nonsense, Hoderi! You're all edges! A very sharp king to be. Thank you. But, well, if the tides are barren today, do you mind rowing me back to the palace? Father's about to leave, and I have to get this deer to him. Yes. I can't believe I've lost track of time. Grab an oar, Hori. They reached the cliffside palace just as the gates were opening. A royal caravan streamed out with King Ninigi and Queen Sakuya's own carriage at the front. 
Hori and Hoderi's parents were taking their first vacation since their honeymoon 30 years ago. They intended to enjoy a week in the mountains with no distractions. The carriages stopped, and Hori tossed the briny deer carcass to the bewildered servants on the food cart. He turned to see his father, King Ninigi, leaning out of his carriage to talk to Hoderi. From their serious expressions, Hori could guess what they were talking about. The kingdom. Fish. Work was all they ever talked about when they were together. When King Ninigi was finally satisfied, he gave the command for the caravan to start up again. By the time he was passing Hori, his serious expression had vanished. He reached out to ruffle the boy's hair, winked, and told him to do his best to stay out of trouble. Once the carriage started off, Hoderi walked over to join Hori, and the brothers watched as their parents' caravan faded into the distance. Well, Hoderi, for the first time ever, our parents are gone. We've got the whole palace to ourselves. You know what that means, don't you? Father made it very clear. I'm to ensure that nothing goes wrong in his absence, that the villagers are fed, and that the gardeners don't overwater mother's cherry blossoms. No, 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 Hoderi. Our parents are gone. So we must party! That night, the young members of the court came together for a bash to remember, even if all the sake they downed meant their memories would be a blissful blur. The dancing goddess Uzume sang tawdry tunes, and she lined up lovely maidens to cavort with the men. Hori charmed everyone as usual, and even Hoderi was in good spirits. But every party ends, and by the wee hours, the revelers were all passed out in the palace halls. Hori popped open the last bottle of sake and lurched to a balcony, where Hoderi stood staring out at the sea. Time to sober up, little brother. We've got work in a few hours. Ugh, is that all you ever think about? I thought you were having fun tonight. It was fun. And a distraction. This is the first time father's left me in charge. I shouldn't be spending my time so frivolously. Ugh, you're too hard on yourself. You have been ever since you got that stupid hook. What you need is a break. I don't have that luxury, Hori. We have barely enough fish in our reserves to last a week. The meat you provide from hunting is wonderful for feasts, but I doubt there's enough game in those forests to feed the whole kingdom. If I don't find fish, the people will go hungry. Then we'll switch jobs. Don't be silly. It's not silly. Tomorrow, I'll go out on the water with your hook and I promise I'll come back with the catch of the year. You take my bow and arrow and go into the woods to hunt. You'll stay dry, get some fresh air, and exercise, and have fun! Father would never approve. Father doesn't have to know. You can trust me, Hoderi. It would be nice to have a day where my job didn't matter so much. And that's what I'm here for! So let's switch! Trust me, you deserve this. Hori slung the bow and arrow off his back, then held it out. Hoderi furrowed his brow and turned away. Hori knew Hoderi was picturing every way things could go wrong. It was frustrating, but he admired how thoughtful his brother was. Then Hoderi turned back with a smile. 
I do trust you, Hori, and I suppose I do deserve this. Hoderi reached into his robe pocket and pulled out the magic fish hook. Right at that moment, the first rays of dawn broke across the horizon, shining into the hook and making it glow brighter than ever before. Hori took the hook and Hoderi took the bow. He drew the string back with a cunning smile. Hori marveled at how fierce his brother looked, then raised his bottle of sake. One last drink to the hunter and the fisherman. Coming up, a drunken switch has sobering consequences. Love. It's been the subject of poems, novels, music, and film. It's also been the driving force behind some of the most horrendous crimes in history. Hi, I'm Vanessa Richardson. Join me for season two of Criminal Couples and meet the lovers who took their passion to perilous lengths. Featuring standout episodes from female criminals, serial killers, solved murders, and crimes of passion, this season of Criminal Couples gets to the heart of what makes two turn to a life of murderous crime. Some couples were set off by revenge or greed. Others were fueled by sex and drugs. All acted in the name of love. Discover the darker side of desire in season two of the Spotify original from Parcast, Criminal Couples. Follow for free and tune in every Monday, only on Spotify. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Now, back to the story. Stupid bird! Did you really think you could outsmart Hoderi the hunter? Hoderi smiled and pointed his brother Hori's arrow at a terrified pheasant. Yes, he'd chased it for hours, and yes, his hunting party kept having to give him tips, Hoderi realized he wasn't the best hunter, and sending his brother Hori off to fish while he played in the woods wasn't the most beneficial to the kingdom. But it didn't really matter right now, not when he was enjoying himself so much. With a satisfied smirk, Hoderi let the arrow fly. The hunting party swooped in to take the dead bird to the palace. His brother Hodi's job wasn't easy, but it was so much more fun. Hoderi reminded himself to thank Hodi. This day was just what he needed to feel better. And he hoped his brother was having an equally exciting time fishing.
When Hori opened his eyes and saw the sun creeping down to the horizon, he realized he'd been asleep all day and he hadn't caught any fish. He'd only meant to shut his eyes for a moment. His first hour on the water had been rough, and not just because of his hangover. He'd gotten a backache and a sunburn in what felt like minutes, and Hoderi's hook was finicky. It seemed just as angry as Hori that there was nothing to be caught. Fishing was more frustrating than Hori expected. He'd never have the patience to sit still, doing this every day. No wonder Hoderi was always so moody. He scrambled to the edge of the boat, where he'd propped up the fishing rod so the hook could dangle in the water while he napped. He pulled the rod out of the water and was dismayed to see that there was nothing at the end of the jeweled hook. He tossed it to the boat floor. (sighs) It's all right. As long as Hoderi's had a nice day, my suffering doesn't matter. But as the fog cleared from his brain, he realized if he went home with no fish, Hoderi would just feel worse than before. He might never allow himself a day off again. Hodi needed to catch something. As if it read his mind, the magic hook began to rattle. It was like it was trying to warn him. Then he saw something out of the corner of his eye. He whipped his head around to see a tail sink below the surface. Hody looked over the boat's edge, confused. The sun dipped below the horizon, dimming the golden glimmer that lit up the sea. But it didn't dim the two glowing orbs under the water. Hody realized they were eyes attached to a shadow that circled his boat. He watched it, half afraid and half delighted. Was this the Wani? The hook rattled, so Hori picked up the rod. At last, he and his hook agreed. You're right, Mr. Hook. We may not have any fish, but catching a giant beast like this one will bring glory to Hoderi and make father happy. Hori cast the line high, watching the jeweled hook glimmer in the air before it plunged into the water. Then his face fell the shadow was gone. The hook glowed blue and darted around for a bit, then went still. Maybe the Wani had swum off. A glum Hody looked back toward the shore, just as the fishing line pulled so tight that Hody fell to the boat floor. Hody scrambled when the rod in his hand dragged him to the boat's side. He looked over the edge, then pulled with all his might until he felt the line rise. The gargantuan Wani burst through the water, spitting the hook out as it roared. It loomed over Hori, who stared up in horror at the Wani's purple-green scales, razor-sharp fangs, and glowing yellow eyes. Hori grabbed the rod and flung the magic hook at it. He expected the Wani to duck, but instead, it opened wide. Once the hook disappeared in its jaws, it snapped them shut 
and began to swim. The Wani dragged Hori and his boat farther from the shore than he'd ever been. At incredible speed, they raced to a wall of blue-green mist. Hori couldn't see a thing in the mist, but he heard terrifying wails. He wasn't sure he wanted to see the strange sea beasts that surrounded him. When the mist began to clear, though, it brought no relief. The Wani was pulling him toward a massive whirlpool. Hori was sure the Wani wanted to drag him down into the Sea King Rujin's realm. Though an undersea battle would be thrilling, he couldn't abandon Hoderi or his magic hook. Hori pulled the rod as hard as he could, but the Wani had too tight of a grip. He pulled again until his fishing line went impossibly taut and snapped. No! Hours later, a dripping Hori found his brother in their father's throne room, happily feasting on roasted pheasant. Hoderi handed Hori his bow and arrow back with a grateful grin. But when he asked for his hook, Hori had to confess. You lost my hook? I didn't lose it. The Wani bit the hook off the line when I was trying to catch it. Why in Amaterasu's name would you try to catch a beast of that size? Well, when I woke up and realized I hadn't caught anything all day, I wanted to make up for it with the greatest catch our kingdom had ever seen. What do you mean when you woke up? I fell asleep for a while. So you're admitting to being irresponsible and lazy. That's so much more reassuring. I should have never gone along with your stupid trade. Hoderi, things just spiraled beyond my control, all right? They spiraled because you're careless and chose the easy way out, as always. I know you're scared of how father will react, but don't worry. I'll tell him it was my fault, and he can punish me instead. This isn't just about father, Hori. Do you not understand? Fish are scarce, and the only reason I've been able to catch any lately was because of the magic hook. But you're right about one thing. I'm not going to take the blame for this. When our people starve, father is going to know that it was your fault. Hori winced, stung by the venom in Hoderi's voice. He slung on his bow and arrow, walked up to his brother, and grabbed his shoulders. I'll get it back. I'll search the sea and let the Wani swallow me whole if it means I can find the hook inside. Then I'll tear my way out and bring it home to you. Hoderi just looked away. Hori nodded respectfully, then walked to the throne room doors. Just as he reached to open them, Hoderi looked up. Leave the bow and arrow. I'll need something to help me hunt, since we'll have to rely on the forest for food now. Hori knew Hoderi was being unfair, but he already felt guilty enough, so he took the bow off and laid it at Hoderi's feet. Then he ran out of the throne room.
The sea was wild and stormy that night, and Hori saw imaginary wannies in every dark wave that buffeted his boat. A wiser man would have waited until morning to set sail, but Hori was too desperate to be wise. So he set sail for the same eerie mist the wani had dragged him into earlier. Once he cleared the mists, he saw the massive whirlpool. The current would soon drag him in, so he needed to face the beast now, and he'd come prepared. Hody didn't have his magic bow, but he did steal a spear from the palace armory before setting sail. Maybe Hoderi would disapprove, but if Hody succeeded, he'd never have to know. He took a battle stance and raised the spear. Wani! Show yourself! No beast rose up. Maybe the Wani wasn't there, or perhaps it needed more enticement. So Hori used the spear's head to rip a gash in his palm. Hori let his blood drip into the water and looked out at the whirlpool. And soon he heard the Wani's unearthly, terrifying growl. From directly behind him. Hori whipped around and realized that the Wani was speeding toward him, clearly aiming to push his boat into the whirlpool. Hori raised the spear and threw it with all his might. but the Wani lifted its head from the water, catching the spear in its jaws and snapping it in half. Hody's eyes widened. The Wani was still hurtling toward him and there was no time to maneuver out of the way. He gripped the edge of the boat and said a silent prayer. The Wani rammed the boat, shattering its hull. The mast toppled down, delivering a savage blow to Hori's skull. His world went dark. The Wani used her jaws to scoop him up in a loose grip. Then the beast dragged Hori beneath the waves. Coming up... Hody washes up on the shores of a new world. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than 88 million in prizes, ranging from 50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne. Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. 
FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Now back to the story. Hello, can you hear me? Hori felt a gentle slap against his cheek. He drew in a sharp breath of cold sea air, opened his eyes, and saw sights that took that breath away. He was on a sandy shore, and a young woman knelt beside him. She had hazel eyes, pale skin flecked with purple scales, and dark green-streaked hair. She was the most beautiful creature Hori had ever seen, in the strangest place he'd ever been. He was in a cave so huge that a kingdom rose from a blue-green sea at its center, jutting into a pocket of air protected by the cave walls. Above him, a vast opening revealed the pink skies of the surface world, where a new day had dawned. The kingdom was beautiful, but it was also in disrepair. It filled Hori with deep wonder and sadness, too. He took in ancient buildings with crumbling coral spires, dimly lit by glowing jellyfish. Somber, half-fish, half-human beings shuffled along the streets paved with tarnished pearls. Hori glanced at the pool at his side. Emaciated fish flopped around in it, looking half-dead and hungry. The sight gave Hori a terrifying flash of memory. Dwani! It was after me! (laughs) Rest easy, sailor. She wouldn't dare to swim in here. The woman ran her hand over Hori's fresh cuts and bruises, and he winced. We should get you to a healer, although I'm not sure they can help. I don't see any gills, so I'm guessing you're from the surface world? (sighs) Yes, I'm a prince up there. (laughs) Well, I'm a princess down here. I'm Toyotama, daughter of Rujin. Hori, son of Ninigi. (sighs) Thank you for your concern, but I have no time for healers. The Wani stole a magic hook from me and I need it back now. Hmm, the Wani's a scavenger, but she can sense an object of worth. She'll have brought it to my father's treasury in exchange for a meal. Perfect, please take me to him. I can, but if the Wani upset you, father won't be a comforting sight. Toyotama guided Hori as they swam through into a half-submerged corridor. She reached out a hand so she could help him around the sudden, sharp corners. Hori marveled at how warm Toyotama's hand felt. There was a heat to this sea being that made him feel like he was holding a flame underwater. (laughs) You're a pretty good swimmer for a surface creature. Before Hori could think of a flirty retort, Toyotama pulled him underwater. Toyotama and Hori climbed a set of stairs into a roomy cavern. It glowed purple and red thanks to strange jellyfish-like creatures that clung to its walls. A dark pool of water took up half the room, and at its edge was a coral throne and a matching table. On that table was a bowl filled with sea glass. Toyotama told Hori to throw a piece into the water. 
He nodded and tossed a piece into the pool. Hori clenched his jaw and summoned his courage when a serpent ten times the size of the wani erupted from the pool. King Rujin's scales were orange and green, and he had the face of a dragon. He roared, then spit fire. Who dares disturb my slumber? I do, father. Oh, hello, dear. Is it breakfast time already? Almost, but first meet our guest from the surface, Prince Hori, son of Nanigi. Amaterasu's grandson. I've never met her, but she and I were creations of Izanami and Izanagi eons ago, which makes us family. I'm happy for this reunion, then. As am I, Prince Hori. Won't you stay for breakfast? How kind of you, father. But I actually brought him here to be breakfast. Hori whipped around just as Toyotama grabbed his throat and lifted him off the ground. Her polite facade was gone and her eyes burned with vengeful fury. This is the hunter, father, the one whose hook massacres our subjects. I've lured him here, but the honor of finishing him off is yours. Toyotama smiled and carried Hori toward her father's jaws. I'm not that hunter. Toyotama, put him down. I won't have our royal surface relatives thinking we're briny barbarians. Let the chap explain himself. Toyotama scoffed, then let go of Hori. So you're not a hunter? <sighs> well, I don't hunt fish, usually, but I do hunt on land. Then you're a killer all the same. Hunting and fishing is how we feed our citizens. Yes, you satisfy yours by massacring ours. Every day your fishermen sail closer to our mists, growing greedier and greedier. Well, there are no fish left by the shore. Because you killed them all. Now our workforce is decimated, our towers crumble, and mothers cry out for their children who were speared by that hook. Toyotama took a breath, choking back tears. Hori felt guilty about the sorry state of her kingdom, but he pushed his guilt aside. He was there on a mission for his brother. Maybe so, but I'm not the one to convince. That would be my brother, Hoderi, heir to the throne, chosen by King Ninigi to carry on Amaterasu's divine rule. He's the fisherman who owns that hook, and I don't think you and your father will solve your problems by making him angrier. Hori felt even guiltier for trying to intimidate the pair, but it worked. The orange scales on King Rujin's cheeks went red, and he suddenly looked ashamed. Toyotama, you played this wrong. We could have sent an emissary to work out an agreement. How will you maintain harmony between land and sea someday if these are your diplomatic instincts? Subservience isn't harmony. Oh, come off your high seahorse, girl lest you turn the tides of peace. Take him to the treasury and see if the hook has washed up there. Then escort him home, unharmed. Lovely to meet you, Prince Hori. 
Rujin dove back into his pool, Toyotama trembled with fury and shame. Come with me, hunter. Toyotama and Huri trudged through the royal treasury, full of gold, jewels, and mysterious old weapons. He wanted to point out that many looked like they were stolen from the surface. Clearly, the Sea Kingdom wasn't that innocent. But Toyotama still looked so upset, and Hori didn't want to be cruel. I... I really am sorry for making your father mad. <laughs> I don't even take your plan to kill me personally. I've seen the pressure my father puts on Hoderi, and I know being the heir isn't an easy life. I actually think you and my brother would have a lot to bond over, if you didn't want him dead, too. Spare me your blubbering and take your precious hook. Toyotama pointed to a cave that lay just beyond a pool of water. Hori couldn't quite see inside because strands of seaweed created a curtain-like barrier to the entrance. But through the seaweed, he saw the blue glow of the magic hook. Thank you for bringing me, princess. I mean it. There were a few stepping stones in the pool that led to the cave. He hopped across, then parted the slimy seaweed curtain to creep inside. The blue light grew brighter as Hodi made his way to the back. There he found Hodedi's hook floating in the air. Hori grabbed it and grinned, imagining Hodedi's joy when he presented it to him. He made his way back to the pool at the mouth of the cave. He moved to jump across the path of rocks, but the rocks sank into the water. Uh, Toyotama? Was that supposed to happen? I'm sorry, Prince Hori. It must be one of our treasury's safeguards. Well, I'm no thief, but... It's no problem. I'll just swim it. Hori almost jumped in when dozens of jellyfish rose up to block his path. The menaces crackled with eerie pink light. Uh, another safeguard? Well trained, don't you think? So pretty, too. Toyotama smiled at the jellyfish, and the pink flickers cast sinister shadows across her face. Hori's heart began to race. Princess, I need to get out of here. Can you do something about them? I can, but I won't. Fine, then I'll swim. But just as Hori got ready to dive, the curtain of seaweed at the mouth of the cave came alive. The strands shot down like tentacles to wrap themselves around Hori's limbs. They pulled him up to suspend him in the cave's mouth. They squeezed Hori so tight that he worried he'd be torn apart. The shock made him drop the hook. Ah! Why are you doing this? Your father... My father is weak. If he won't punish your people for your crimes, then I have to pave my own way and catch my own prey. I am not your prey! Those were Hori's last words before he passed out. Toyotama smiled and her eyes glowed yellow. She dove into the pool. 
And when she emerged by Hori, Toyotama was in her true form, the Wani. You're right, Hori. You're not the prey. You're the bait. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. Tune in next Tuesday to find out if Hori can escape his watery prison and make things right with his brother. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday, we dive into another dark, classic fable. We'll be back next week with the conclusion of this epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Mythology was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Brian Kim, Drew Lawn, and Jen Wong. I'm Vanessa Richardson. It's been said that love is a many-splendored thing. That is, until it's not. In season two of Criminal Couples, discover true stories of couples who turned their love lives into a life of crime. Lies and deceit are just the beginning. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Criminal Couples. Catch new episodes every Monday, free and only on Spotify. 